Welcome to Joy Christian Center. We're so glad you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, please join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. Our services last about an hour. We pray that today's message will inspire and challenge you. If this is your first time at Joy, we say we are a family church that's teaching people to reach their world, and we have a, that is our greatest desire. It's to help you make an impact and a difference in the world that you will step into this afternoon and throughout the week. We also sometimes say that that uh, you know if your if your Sunday doesn't affect your Monday, then your Sunday doesn't count. And we work hard at trying to make sure that this day that what we endeavor to do makes a difference in your life. And if this is your first time, we also want you to know uh, that we have children's services for from from nursery through the sixth grade. So if, if your child gets a little bit uh, uncomfortable or whatever, uh, they can you can take them back into our nursery, preschool, children's area. We also have a room set up, uh, a nursing mom's room. We also have a room with, it's got video and sound and everything else. So you can kind of stay aware of the service and t- tend to your child. And uh, we, uh, I believe that we've got one of the best children's ministry around. And I just encourage you to take advantage of it because it is the word of God on the level of a child. And it is uh, our desire, again, that we help people know who God is and those kinds of things. And so it's an honor for us uh, to be able to do that and to minister the word of God. And thank you so much for being a part of our church. We're, we're uh, calling, this was the second week of a series that we're calling This Is Us. And and this has absolutely nothing to do with the television show I haven't ever, that I know of. I don't think I've seen any of the episodes or any part of any episode, so I have no idea what it's about. But we want you to know what we're about. And how many of you know that there's a lot of great churches in central Minnesota? Amen? There really, really are. There's a lot of good churches, good people, good pastors. There's a lot of great places in central Minnesota. And, and I always use this illustration when it comes to churches because I've had people say, and, and a long time ago I used to kind of question this. It's like, okay, if we all came from, you know, the same Jesus and the same early church, if, if that's what we find as our roots, why are there so many different kinds of churches? I mean, you know, you could go to different parts of our city, different parts of our state, different parts of our nation, and we would be expressing essentially the belief of Christianity, but in a little bit different way. And then if you went to the world, uh, other countries, the same thing. We would be expressing faith in Christ, 
that common central truth, but in different ways. And I've, I've used the illustration of hamburgers. I don't know who invented hamburgers, but God bless them. I like a good hamburger. In fact, I kind of like a not that great hamburger sometimes. And so, but but I've, I've, if if the design of a hamburger is to put some meat between two buns and whatever toppings that you would want on that condiments that would go with that, if that's the design, then why are there so many different kinds of places that serve hamburgers? You've got Wendy's and McDonald's and Burger King and Culver's and Val's. You can go to a gas station and throw it into a microwave. You can go to fancy places and have, you know, really, really expensive hamburgers. I mean, after all, if if it all came from a cow, then why are there so many different kinds of hamburgers? Because there's different tastes. And we like things differently. And how one person likes a hamburger presented or how one person likes to prepare a hamburger might be different than the the way another person does. And that, I think, is why there are different churches. There's there's several expressions of faith in Christ. We have that commonality, but we express it in a little bit different way. And so this series is about us. This is about who we are. There was one hamburger chain that talked about their secret sauce. And so there are some things that are perhaps unique to us as a church that may not be common in other churches, even though we have the same expression of faith. And so uh, I I know that there are a lot of great churches. And so I'm always, thank you for being here this morning. I know that life at times, uh, you know, there's just stuff that happens. And, uh, uh, you know, I know the church has changed a lot over the last 20, 30, 40 years. And, and what used to be the common expression that, that pretty much everybody had a Sunday off and everybody went to church, that's not the case anymore. And if you've got kids that are involved in travel sports or you know, some people are working shift work, some people get off about the time you're getting up to come to church. And, 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 and life just isn't that way anymore. And so Whenever you're here, I'm glad that you're here. I've had people apologize. I'm so sorry for being late. I don't care. I'm glad you're here. Get the most out of the whatever time you're here. Get the most out of it that you can. Don't let the devil condemn you and beat you up because you were late. Amen? Now, if you fall asleep, may the fleas of a thousand camels invade your armpits while I'm preaching. But... (laughs) And if you see somebody fall asleep, give them a good sharp elbow and tell them Pastor Brian said you could. All right? Somebody one time, a preacher one time said, hey, wake that guy up. And somebody else said, no, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. So anyway, (laughs) this is us. So uh, uh, last week we talked a little bit. We did kind of a year in review sort of a thing. But Proverbs 29, 18 is our jumping off verse. And I'm reading this from the message version this morning. Uh, It just gives it a little bit different twist, if you will. Proverbs 29, 18 says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are the most blessed. When people, if people can't see what God is doing, if they're unaware of what he's doing, they will stumble and they will fall. And part of my job as a pastor is to help you see what God is doing. And, and again, our, our subject is this is us, this is who we are. It's what God is doing here at Joy. Kind of maybe our secret sauce, kind of maybe how we serve the hamburger. And so when you're aware, though, this is what he said, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals... When they're aware of it, that's one thing. But now when they start to pay attention to what he reveals, that's when they're the most blessed. Now, how many of you would like to be blessed? That's one thing, right? We kind of want to be. How many of you would like to be really, 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 I mean, the most blessed? Well, how many of you know that you're the most blessed when you know what God wants you to do and then do it? 
At least that's what the Bible says. So that's, that's part of what my job is. And, and so I made this statement last week, and I want to reiterate it again because I just want you to know how powerful, at least I think this is, and I hope that you understand this this morning as we as a church, Joy Christian Center, I said this last week, that this church moves at the speed of us. This church moves at the speed of us. It moves at the speed of our generosity, which is our time, our talent, and our treasure, and the opportunities that we have. This church moves at the speed of us. It moves at the speed of our, our, our willingness to take our time, our generosity, which is our time, our talent, and our treasury, and the opportunities. And when we combine those two things together, something powerful happens. So last week we gave you a little bit of an update, just kind of a year in review sort of a thing. Some of the things that we talked about that were, uh, you know, kind of a highlight from, and it would take a year to explain to you everything that went on over the last year. And so we obviously don't have that much time. But one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about this morning uh, that we didn't talk about last week is, 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 is a, an opportunity that we had last year that we were able to take advantage of um, because of your generosity. And again, generosity, most people think of generosity in a financial way, but you can be generous financially, but not be generous with your time or with your talent. Or you can be generous with your talent, but not your time or your treasury. And so uh, this was a combination of all of those things. And so last year, we have, and, and over the years, we, we, we believe in technology here. Uh, we, we do, and, and that's a blessing, and it is a curse, and, and uh, I, I think that, that uh, the church should kind of look a little bit like the rest of society, not in, in lifestyle, but, it, but, you know, I mean, aren't you glad that we have kept up to date when it came to air conditioning and heating and padded chairs rather than wooden benches and things like that, and so uh, there, there shouldn't, it shouldn't be like you walk into a church and you've walked into, you know, the dark ages sort of a thing, and so we believe in technology, and it helps us to... Uh, it, it, I, I believe it helps us to communicate. And one of the things that we've done over the years is uh, we've, we've got a website. Most of you know what that website is. It's greatjoy.org. And that's not anything earth-shaking, earth but that is, well, let me just give you these couple of numbers. Last year, we had 18,000, just over 18,000 people who visited our website, which is on average about 50 people a day that were engaging in some way with our website, wondering about our church, things like that. Almost 5,000 people hit the events page. That's about 12 people a day. They were wondering, you know, what's coming up? What is the calendar? Who are we? What are we? Uh, about that same number visited the media page, which would be where the online messages are. Uh, they're archived and things like that. That's about 12 people a day. And that may not sound like a lot, but um, there were 91 people, January 29th, our service, the last week of, of uh, Living Large, uh, there were 91 people who viewed that message. Now, that was after, that was after, so it might have been people who were inspired, like, I want to hear that again. It might have been people who missed the end of it, and they wanted to, uh, you know, they wanted to kind of finish, find out how we finished that particular series, but I think that that's an interesting number, that 91 people uh, viewed that particular message. But something else that we did, and we've been doing that for quite a while, but something else that we did is we uh, began to really kind of beef up our online experience and our live streaming, and there were a couple of pieces that had to fall into place because um, while I have been blessed with a face for radio, and I'm totally okay with that, um, there were times when we would, people would visit the, uh, they would watch a message online and, and everything was so dark, it was very difficult to see what was going on. And if I was wearing black in particular, then I just looked like a big white head kind of a thing. And that's not that attractive anyway. And so, uh, you know, all of those things were there. And so we upgraded our lighting. We bought a couple of cameras. Um, 
our, our tech booth, those guys do a great job. You wouldn't believe at times the things. Amen. Give them a hand. There are times, you know, and, and it's so much more than just, you know, pushing a button. It's so much more than, you know, we think of sound as in our car. We're going to turn it up or turn it down. It's not quite like that uh, here. And, um, and, and so they do a great job, but many times in, in you know, the world of technology, most of you, if, you're, you know, if your phone is a year old, it's like, man, this is a piece of junk. I need a new phone kind of a thing. Well, a lot, some of that equipment's 10 years old, and, and so uh, you know, it breaks down. And you know, a lot of our Sunday morning before service was spent trying to fix something that had worked for eight months or eight weeks, and now all of a sudden doesn't work for some unknown reason at all other than the devil doesn't like us or something. I don't know, but it just happens. And so we upgraded a lot of equipment back there and it was several thousand dollars, but it was an opportunity that we had because of your generosity, first of all, that we were able to do that. And, and, and I know that, and, and so let me give you a couple of numbers and tell you why I think this is important. Uh, 400, from, from between July and December of last year, 450 people viewed the live streaming services. That's about 20 people a week. On February 5th, which was just a couple of weeks ago, there were uh, 27 people who watched the live stream. The live stream of this was about 30 people. And, 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 and you know, I, I had to, uh, is Karen, Karen right here, Karen, she told me that they were out of town and that she was able to watch the service and I love this so much because she said I watched the service online I, I live streamed it was great but I just it's just not the same as being here live and I said I love you thank you so much because this is what I hear yeah we were up at the lake and I was stretched out I had a cup of coffee and I watched the service online and it was great and I'm like I hate you I'm here working, and you're drinking coffee watching me work kind of a thing. And it's just, and so, but here's the thing. And I, I know people think this. Well, you're just making it easy for people to miss church. Well, first of all, we all know, we all know that it takes zero energy to miss church, doesn't it? I mean, people have miss, miss, been missing church for a long time. And hear me again. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Please don't view what I just said as condemnation about you ought to be in church. I understand. I do think you should be in church. But I also understand that life is real, and it moves at warp speed, and there's all kinds of stuff that happens and goes on. And so I'm not trying to make it easier for people to miss church. I'm trying to make it easier for people to stay connected to God and stay connected to the church. That's what I want to do. And we have people, we had somebody last week who emailed us and said, my kids were sick. I wasn't able to come to church. Thank you for providing the online service because I was able to stay up. I was able to keep engaged with the church. We've had people in the hospital. Something that's exciting, I think that's it's, that's kind of cool. It's another opportunity. Uh, we are working with Nelson Brothers, the Travel Plaza, Plaza in Clearwater, live streaming to that location. Uh, they are providing a sort of a chapel service for the truckers that are there on a Sunday morning. So that's an opportunity for us to live stream into that. Amen. That is awesome. And so... That's your generosity. That's us moving at the speed of us. Something that, that happened last year that might sound a little bit strange at first, but we live streamed a funeral because there were people that couldn't be at that particular, couldn't be at the, the funeral. There were some in other countries that watched the live stream of the funeral. You might think, well, that's really kind of weird, but that's, that's one of the ways that we can leverage the technology. Think about it, and, and again, this, why, why don't we do that all the time? Well, because it takes time, it takes talent, and it takes energy. It takes people to do those things, so we, we can't do that all the time until we have the people in place to be able to do that, but if there's, you know, aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so or grandma, grandpa in another part of the country, 
country. Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to provide that service where they could, through this couple of clicks, that they can be uh, watching a wedding or a funeral or being engaged in some way that they wouldn't be able to be engaged. But my heart is not to try to make it easier for people to miss church. My heart is to help people know who God is, and that's who we are. You need to understand that this is us. We exist to help people to know God. We want people to know God. This is so important. This is so important for us. And, and, and so uh, uh, if you would, I know we like that picture, but let's go to the next one. And, and so this is important. Hopefully we're not locked up back there. Nope, not that one. We skipped that one. There we go. This is us. We exist to help people to know God. That's who we are. And, and, and in the book of, now, first of all, as I'm looking around, I see that you guys are, some of you are a lot like I am. When I... If I, when I go to church, particularly in the days that there were pews, what I like to do is I, I would put my Bible on one side, I'd put my coat on the other side, unless Shelly was there. I'd put my coat and I'd go like this because you know what that means? Stay out of my space, right? I want my own room. I, I, how many of you are like that? You go to a movie theater, you don't want to be crowded next to people that you don't know, that kind of thing, right? Or am I the only one that's like that? You guys all like, we all know what that's like. Listen to this scripture in, in the book of Luke. It says this, in the book of Luke 14, it says, The master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Look at the person next to you and say, God wants his house full. Look at the person on the other side and say, God wants his house full. Now, first of all, in the context, this is not necessarily talking about church. This is talking about God's house, and he wants his house full. He's done everything that he could. The Bible tells us that God's not willing that any perish, but that all would come to the repentance or, the, or, or come to life. God wants his house full, but the church house is one step on the way to God's house. And he said, I want you to compel people to come in so that my house is full. And so while we might want our space when it comes to being in a movie theater or entertainment or something like that, that doesn't count when it comes to church because God wants it to be overflowing in his house. And here's the danger. If, if, if we kind of want our space and our thing and our way when it comes to church, what happens sometimes is that, is that we can look at the inconvenience that happens with more people. Well, I don't, I, I don't have my space. I don't have my spot. I don't have my stuff anymore. And we look at more people coming in as an inconvenience, not as an inconvenience. It's not as easy to find a place to park or, or, or whatever it might be. But God is compelling us. He says, I want you, I'm just, I want you to compel. I want you to encourage. I want you to exhort others to come in. You want to know why else uh, the archived messages and the, the live stream is important? There are people who visit our church who've never walked into this building. They're checking us out. What's that church about? So they click on it and they start watching a service. They, they might watch something that we've done or they might be live streaming uh, uh, one of the services, but they're visiting our church to get a, a flavor for it before they ever walk through the doors of the church. And it's so vital and it is so important. And so you already saw the picture of it. I apologize. But how many of you know what monkey bread is? So this is us, and we want people to know God, and, and we're serious about that. How many of you know what monkey bread is? All right, let me see that. All right, that's about half of you that know what monkey bread is. Go ahead and put the picture up there. My mouth's already watering. Doesn't that look good? Hallelujah. Now, those of you that know monkey bread, that have had monkey bread, you are, you are like 12 steps ahead of everybody else. 
Because while this looks good, you have no idea how absolutely delicious this is. I mean, you take some of this that is warm with a couple of sticks of butter and a quart of coffee. You could put me in the room, and I, you could put me in a corner of the room, and I would never bother another person for the rest of the afternoon. I promise you. I might get crabby a little bit later, but I will be a happy camper before that. These are, that was, so, so I could tell you how good and how wonderful that is. I could give you detailed instructions uh, of what it, would be, what it would require to make monkey bread. And I could describe to you the gooey deliciousness of the caramel and the cinnamon and, and how good it is with melted butter and how simple that it is to make it. And I could tell you all of those things, but you still haven't experienced it. And that's a lot like Christianity, and that's a lot like church, and that's part of what we are trying to fix here. This is us. We want people to know God. And I could tell you how wonderful Jesus is, and I could tell you how awesome he is and how powerful he is, and that he's willing to meet needs and that he loves you. And I could give you historical facts. I could give you Bible facts that would tell you all kinds of things that you need to know about Jesus. But until you've tasted and seen how good he is, you're like, oh, oh. But once you've tasted and seen, man, mm -mm -mm. just the mention of monkey bread makes my mouth water. And there are some who just the mention of Jesus makes our hearts beat a little bit faster. And we're a little bit more excited because we know who he is. We are those who know that our Redeemer lives and that he's touched our lives and changed us. And we want that for other people. So we as a church, we exist to help people not just know about God, but to taste and see how good God is. And I want you to understand something because of that. Because we exist to help people know God and who he is. I, I like to say it like this. We play the long game here. We play the long game here at Joy because I believe this. I've been saying this for years. That Christian growth and maturity is a process. How many of you know you don't start out finished overnight? You don't say yes to Jesus, and then you've become perfect. You don't say yes to Jesus, and then you never have another care, another worry, another problem, another sin, another failure. How many of you know that's not the case? In fact, some of you have taken a couple of weeks to get as perfect as you are right now. And so I always say, let's give people that same grace to get perfect that we want to give ourselves. One person said, why do we judge people just because they sin differently than we do? Some Christians have just gotten better at hiding their sin than others have. And so we exist to help people know God. And, sometimes, and because of that, and because we're serious about that, I want to make sure as much as we can to try to remove every barrier that there could possibly be for somebody to experience Jesus Christ and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness. And we, we, we talk about this, we pray about this, we work on this so that we can remove the barriers. I think often, what do we say to people? How do we communicate with people who have no idea what we're talking about? Who've not experienced or, or maybe don't have the history. In fact, sometimes people who've never been in church at all are farther ahead than a lot of other people are. Because they don't have to unlearn a bunch of stuff before they can start to learn. And our traditions have followed us many times, are, have followed us in that experiential path of knowing who Christ is and, and the power that he brings to us. And so I want us to remove every barrier, every obstacle that there can possibly be. And there are people who think that they can't come to church because of their past or because of their present or because they've been, uh, uh, you know, rejected at other places or other churches because they don't look good enough or they're not, they don't live right enough. And I want people to understand. I want people to know. I want, because this is who we are. Guess what? If we have ever communicated that church is only for church people, then we've missed the mark. 
Because church is not for church people. Church is for people people. Amen? We're all a part of the same hospital. Some of us have gotten here just a little bit sooner than some of the others have. We're all a work in process. We're all a work in progress. And so, again, we exist to help people know God. And that's going to happen primarily in this service. It's going to happen on a Sunday morning. We're casting, if you will, a wide net. And we try to design and build and implement a service that's going to minister to you where you are at. We want to challenge you. We want to encourage you to take one more step. But we're also going to engage people who have no idea who God is. I believe the church starts at the top of that hill. And it finishes when people leave and they're at the top of that hill. I don't think about church just as being the service because there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on all around what happens. People are forming opinions. They're, they're either building up barriers uh, of resistance as they experience things as they walk through the door or, or, or their heart is being opened to, to receive from God. And so we exist to help people to know who God is, his love and his grace and his power. But how many of you know there's... there's there's more than that. Just because you know Jesus, how many of you know you're not finished? Amen? You're not finished. You're not done. God wants to, God always wants us to increase. God always wants us to grow. God always wants us to, to experience more of him so that we have more that we can take to someone or someplace else. As a family church, teaching people to reach their world. Wherever you go, I'm hoping, my, my, for me, success is if you hear something today that helps you to share something with somebody tomorrow, that helps you to give hope or peace or joy to somebody tomorrow or this week, that, that, that helps you to really be that extension of the love and mercy of God. And so when we talk about, you know, helping people know God and know who he is, that's, that's the reason for it is because uh, there are a lot of people who have no idea who, really, who God is. And so... Secondly, as a church, we exist to help people know God, but we also want you to find freedom. And this is us, and, and, and we're working on this, and we want this to be a part of your experience because, as I said, just because you know Jesus, how many of you know that because you know him, there's still some stuff that we've got to work on? And we should never get stagnant. We're not called to be settlers, we're called to be pilgrims. There is a journey that we're on, and that's part of what I view my role as, that's what my job is. It is to help lead you, it is to help lead you on a path that brings you to freedom in your life. And, and I know it's so common, and it's too easy for us sometimes, but we think of freedom only in the terms of, of you know, Drugs and alcohol addiction or pornography or, or fear or greed or, or that kind of freedom. And certainly God wants us free from that. He, he really, really does. And we believe that, that, that freedom doesn't just happen. It doesn't normally happen in the context of the Sunday morning service. Sunday morning, I, I, I view it like this. Sunday mornings, it's kind of like a math class. I'm tasked to, if, if I was a math teacher, which I thank God for all of us, I'm not, um, you know, if you're the math class, and in this math class, we have people who have no idea that 2 plus 2 equals 4, and we have people that, have, that are in advanced calculus that are just brilliant when it comes to math. Imagine trying to be the communicator and teach a math class to people with that broad of a spectrum of experience. Well, that's what it's like to pastor, because there are people who have no idea who God is, what God's about, what the Bible is, don't know that there's an Old Testament, a New Testament, a disciple, an apostle, or an epistle. Don't know any of that stuff. And so it's like, man, where do I start? It's just too big. It's too hard. And other people who are like, dear God, do we have to go over that again? 
Are you kidding me? <laughs> because, man, you're an advanced calculus when it comes to, to church and religion and God and Jesus, and you know more than I do. And so every Sunday, I have to try to communicate in something that is practical and applicable to everybody's lives, and that's a challenge, and we work on that. But part of the reason is that we want people to know who God is so that they can find freedom in their life, that we can find you know, the joy that it really is in knowing who God is. And it's easy for us to cherry pick a couple of those really out loud and broad things that, that, that we normally think of being free from. And yes, you do need to be free from that. But this morning, I want to take some familiar scripture and, and present, some, present freedom to you. We'll say it like this here. We believe that freedom happens a lot of times in relationship. Freedom will happen when you're in relationship with other people, those of like precious faith. I'm, the, you need to know this about the devil, the enemy. He likes to isolate people and make people think that you're the only one who struggles with whatever it is you're struggling with. I can remember one time in particular in my life, I thought I was the only one who felt like I did. I got around a bunch of other married couples, and you know what I found out? I found out I wasn't alone. And just finding that out brought hope and freedom into my life that, hey, maybe, maybe there's a way out of how I'm feeling. I'm not as stupid, crazy, or, or, or whatever as I thought that I was. And here I'd been believing a lie the whole time, and that little step brought freedom into my life. But I want to talk to you a little bit more about, I think, what is probably the basic root of fear in our lives and and. and if we can get freedom in this area, it will open up the door to freedom in a lot of other areas in our life. And in, in John cha or in um, Mark chapter 8, and this is a, a part of a bigger dialogue, bigger, sto bigger story that's going. I'm cherry-picking a few thoughts today for time. But in Mark 8, 29, this is Jesus. He's talking to the disciples. He said, who do you, who, he, he, says, he said to them in verse 29, who do you say that I am? Jesus is getting direct with the disciples, who do you say that I am? There's been a lot of talk about me, there's been a lot of discussion about me, but who do you guys say that I am? And then Peter, of course, Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. Peter responded and said, you are exactly who you said that you are. You are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the one who came from God that we understand as the Redeemer and the Messiah. So Peter had a revelation, and Peter, the disciples, they, they, they were where every single one of us starts. Do you realize that every single one of us started out as an unbeliever? Every single one of us started out as a doubter. Every single one of us started out in the same place. We were uncertain whether Jesus was who he said that he was. We were uncertain if he was the Savior, the Redeemer, if he really had the power that he had. And the disciples were much in the same boat. Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You are the one. And so it's a picture to me of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Verse 31, two verses later, Jesus says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. That means that the way he was saying it and what he was saying, they had no doubt what he was talking about. He was basically saying, I'm going to Jerusalem. The chief priests and the elders are going to turn against me. They're going to kill me. They're going to murder me and think they're doing God a favor. 
They couldn't miss what he was saying. Then Peter, I love this. This is just so funny to me because Peter has just said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, you know what? Going to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me. And here's Peter taking Jesus aside, and he begins to rebuke Jesus. Uh, Jesus, could you step over here for just a moment? I know we've had this little moment, this great exchange. I know who you are. But Jesus, you got to understand something. You, You need to tone it down just a little bit. Because Jesus, you got a good thing going right now. It's good for you. And he didn't say this, but it's like it's good for us too. You're really popular, and because you're popular, we're pretty popular too. And you know, Jesus, this love and forgiveness stuff, kind of that's your sweet spot. That, that's your wheelhouse. If you stay in that love and forgiveness kind of a thing and, you know, do a few miracles, you know, fillet of fish sandwiches, people eat that up, man. They love that. Just stay there. And if you stay there, it's going to be awesome. Aren't you glad we got Peters in our life like that? So, (laughs) verse 33. But when he had turned around, he looked at his disciples. He rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan. Well, that's a little harsh. That wasn't very nice of Jesus. Peter's like, I'm just trying to help you out, just trying to help you build your ministry, Jesus. You call me the devil. What caused Jesus to react like that? (laughs) He goes on and says, you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Jesus called out Peter basically because Peter was more concerned with his stuff than he was God's stuff. He was more concerned with the things that concerned him than the things that concerned God. So then, crowd is there. Jesus, all right, everybody, come here. Come here. Verse 34. When he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, how many of you want to be a follower of Jesus? All right, not as many hands as earlier. That's understandable. (laughs) Because that's what Jesus is saying. When he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, whoever desires to follow me, let him deny himself. Now, we know what that means to deny yourself, right? We all know what that means. That means that there's something I really want, but I'm saying no to me. That's what it means to deny myself. I'm saying no to something that I want. I'm saying no to something that I desire. I'm saying no to something that might even be legitimate because there's a higher purpose and there's a higher cause. I said no to a lot of monkey bread over the last six months. I've said no to a lot of pizza. I've said no to a lot of sugar and dairy and all of those things because I have a higher purpose. I had something different that I wanted for me. People say, well, doesn't it get easier? No. It's just as hard today as it was six months ago. We know what it's like to deny ourselves. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you will have to say no to you once in a while. Now, I said earlier, we exist to help you find freedom, but this, my friends, is one of the most difficult things to get freedom in or to experience freedom. Experiencing freedom from me. Experience freedom from mine. Experience freedom from what I want. And Jesus rebuked Peter because he's saying he was more concerned about his stuff than he was God's stuff. Let's go on. Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. Now, Jesus was going to Jerusalem. And Jesus 
plainly told them what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. He said, basically, guys, I'm going to Jerusalem, and they are going to kill me. And they're like, Peter's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This is, there was no room in their theology, their doctrine for a dead Messiah. There was no room. They had no, no idea that the Messiah, God's son, the coming redeemer, would be somebody who would be murdered. They thought that he was coming to set up a kingdom. And if Jesus was the Messiah and it was Jesus' kingdom and we're the inner circle, then it's going to be good for us. But now Jesus is saying, you know what, guys, if you follow me into Jerusalem, it could cost you something. It could cost you something. And so when he said to them, whoever desires, let him, uh, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The cross, I said this last week, I want to say it again. The cross to us is, is, is something different. The cross to us is, is, is something that we adorn with. It's jewelry to us. It is a decoration to us. These people understood that the cross was a place of death. They saw it. They smelled it. They, 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 at times the streets were roamed, the streets of Rome were lined with crosses with dead people, dead and dying people on it. They, the cross was totally different to them. And they're like, when Jesus said, you're going to have to take up your cross, you're going to follow me into Jerusalem. And they're like, mm-hmm. wait just a minute, this is... This, this, bigger deal than I thought that it was. But there's an important principle, and I hope that, well, I, I, I'm trying to be kind of careful in how I say this, because I, I don't want this to be across, come across in a condemning way, in any shape or form. I believe this. This is, this is sort of part of my end game this morning. I believe this. I believe that if you and I would just take one step every week, we're not going to run the whole race this week. We're going to take one step this week. Part of why you're here today is to hear from God, and God, I believe, is going to say to you, you need to take one more step, just one, just one step. But what stops us at times from taking that step? I don't want to say no to me. I don't want to let go of something that I think I need. And Some of you are holding on to hurts because it hurts. And if you'll just take one step, say, all right, God, I, 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 you know, they offended me and they hurt my feelings, but... I don't even want to let it go. I don't want to forgive them because they're rascals. They're rats. But I want to. I want to want to. Would you help me? Would you help me? Now listen to what Jesus says. Whoever desires to save his life. How many of you know that there's nothing really you can do to save this life? Eventually this life goes away. Amen? Mortality rate, planet Earth, 100%. We all will die. And he said to those disciples, some of you are trying to save this life that you can't save anyway. You're trying to hang on to stuff. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Eventually it goes away. But whoever loses his life, the one that you can't save anyway, whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. He's speaking to the disciples. He's saying, even if you follow me into Jerusalem and it costs you your life, ultimately you're going to save your life. Ultimately, it's going to be better. And, and, and he says then in verse 36, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus asks two identifying questions in this verse. And based on our answer to these two questions, we'll begin to bring freedom into our life. The first question that Jesus asked was, what good is it to gain the world and lose your soul? 
Jesus said it kind of like this, what profit is it if you gain the whole world? If you could imagine for just a moment the greatest life that you could ever live. I mean, like you win the lottery every week and you've discovered the cure for cancer and you've ended world hunger and become Miss America. I mean, it's just whatever it is. Whatever is your best life ever. If you could imagine that. But if you get to that, to the end of that awesome and incredible life that you will lose... And at that moment, you realize, you know what? I've gained everything that is good in this life, but I'm going to lose my soul, my spirit, my eternity. Jesus said, what good is it? If you live the greatest possible life you could ever imagine, but at the end, you realize you've missed it. And he asks the question, second question, what then would you give in exchange for your soul? At that point where you've lived the greatest life, And you realize that this life is no more and you're ready to step into the next one and you're not ready for it. What would you be willing to give up? How many of you recognize that in that moment, Jesus, when he asked the first question, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? We would all say it's not good, right? And at that point, what would be, what would it, what is it that we would be willing to give up? Would we not say I'd be willing to give up anything? and everything. I surrender it all if I could just have that. Right? Why do we wait? Why are we waiting until then? You see, freedom in my life is going to happen when I recognize that there's not one thing in this life. You've answered the question. There's not one thing in this life that can equate to the next life. And even if I lose everything in this life, there's still the next life. And I'd be willing to give anything up for that. So why do we want to hang on to our pain and our hurt? Why do we want to hang on to the shame and guilt of the past? Why do we want to hang on to that stuff? When God is saying, you know what? This stuff you're trying to hang on to, it's going to go away. We're so concerned about my time and my this my that. I know we're busy. I know we got stuff. But freedom in your life is going to happen, I believe, in the context of relationship. As you begin to get around other people, as like (laughs) attracts like, and iron sharpens iron, a brother is born for adversity. There will be moments and times that it's like, you know what? I'm struggling. Somebody else could say, you know what, I used to struggle there, but I can help you there. You see, we want people to know God, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just the beginning. There's a whole great big life that God wants us to live here on planet Earth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful group of men and women. I thank you for their love for you. I thank you for the desire that they have in their heart to know you better and to embrace and engage with you in a way that brings change into their life. Lord, we do not want to be the same. We don't want to leave this place just like we came in. Father, help us to take one more step. For some of you, I know that that step is just to come back next week and hear it again. 
For others of you, it might be to engage in a small group. For others of you, it might be to jump on board the growth track or get involved in the dream team. Others of you, it might be to, you know, extend forgiveness to somebody. It might be to, to, to walk across the room and share your faith with somebody. But there's one thing that God is speaking to you and leading you to do. And I pray, Father, that you give them strength and courage to do that one thing this week. I thank you for that. If your head's bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Savior and your Lord, maybe you've thought, well, I'll wait until I get older or I'll wait until I experience life. I think the question was answered today. What good is it if you've experienced that experience? What good is it if you've, if you've engaged in some things, but at the end of the day, you lose your soul? It is, isn't it better to say no to that, to say yes to Jesus? And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I want to say yes to Jesus. I'm, I'm submitting my life to him. I'm giving him the control of my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up real high? I want to pray with you. Just lift your hand up. Say yes to Jesus. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Those three, four. Hallelujah. Five, six, thank you guys. Anyone else this morning? Just hold them up real high for a second. Seven, thank you guys. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I realize today it's no good to get everything in this life and lose the next life. And so today, I've made a decision. Jesus, I give you my life. I trust and believe that you died for me, that you rose again so my sin would be forgiven and that I could know you and have a relationship with you. So Father, I thank you today. My sin is forgiven. My past is forgotten. My future is secure. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Father, I thank you for these that have raised their hands. I thank you for the rest of this congregation. I believe, Father, that you speak to them. And that one thing that you've encouraged in them, that you will remind them of it later today or tomorrow or this week, and that you will give them opportunity. And, Father, I pray that you give every single one of us, myself, every single one of us, the power to say no to us so that we can say yes to you. And I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we would love to hear about it. Please email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.